Suffering helps you. Suffering is good for you. It's hard to think that when you're in it. You're in the, you're in the valley right now. You've, you're laying there bleeding out, but it always is good. Lean into it. Welcome to the podcast. One of my favorite buddies, Bernie, back. How many, how many of these episodes have you done? Uh, I've lost count. A lot. We'd have A to lot. count. Probably yeah. 15, 20. Yeah. Maybe more. Yeah. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me back. Hopefully they've gotten better as we've gone along. <laughs> yeah, people love you. People love you. We get on here. We answer people's questions. If you have a question, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. And if you want anyone answering your personal life question, it would be Bernie Calgoat. You know how to answer them because you help me with all mine. Yeah, I know how to answer or I'm willing to answer them. Now, whether the advice is um, something that's beneficial, that's up to you guys. But um, I was actually thinking of something as I was driving out here today that we always talk about this being, uh, you know, three folks around a campfire, right? That's the third person. But what I realized or what I was thinking is that Typically, when somebody is sitting with you at the campfire, you know that person. Yeah. And therefore, the way that you answer that question might be different based on what you know about them. And, yeah. And, and specifically, their emotional, spiritual security and maturity. And so I, I guess what I was getting at is like, I, I hope that if you're out there and you're hearing some of these answers... We're speaking to you as if you're at this campfire with us and you are, you know, mature in your spirituality, in your emotional, you know, state or whatever. So that if, if you hear things that we're saying and they, and you take it a little bit defensively, it's almost like, well, you may need to kind of stop and think about and have some awareness of like why why they're just talking to me like they would somebody that can handle hearing just real truth and real advice. Yeah, and it's just perspective. It's not criticism. It's perspective. Right, perspective. And like Bernie said, we're not always right, and we definitely don't claim to be. And that's not what this podcast. This isn't the podcast of truth, or this isn't the you know the final answer. This is a conversation that hopefully, you know, we're coming from the, from the right heart. And hopefully this, this is a conversation that will help you open up to find your own truth. Yep, absolutely. And I have had people email uh, back to this podcast and say things like, hey, you, I got one yesterday. It said, hey, you answered my question. Thank you for the tough love. It's exactly what I needed to hear. That's awesome. And that reassures me like, okay, good. Because sometimes I think, I hope I'm not coming across as mean yeah, or degrading in any way. That's not our intent. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying is, is like you, if you were sitting in a campfire, that person would know you, we would know them. And it's right. like, it wouldn't be received that way. Um, and so that's the way we're coming at it. And, and just the hope that the posture of the listener is like, hey, just chill out, guys. It's all good. Yeah. yeah, and Bernie would probably say the same thing as me, but I'm definitely going to say I don't have life figured out. I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly uh, trying to readjust to new situations, and so don't don't ever think that we're coming across as listen. I got this figured out. Right. I've been in your shoes because I haven't been in your shoes. 
That's right. So, yeah. Uh, let's start with the first question. And, and I, everything on this podcast will be off the cuff, random, random questions. We don't have notes sitting in front of us, except for this first one. I picked it because it's easier. Okay. Good. <laughs> it's lighter hearted. <laughs> so I picked the first one after this. Everything else is who knows? Who knows what's coming? First question is, uh, the subject line is sweet, simple, and straight to the point. Hey, Granger and friend, I hope you're having a blessed day so far. My question is, what is your favorite hobby or activity to do with your spouse or significant other? My husband and I love your faith podcast and, of course, your music. Thank you for all you do. Best, Haley Whaley from Illinois, parentheses, no, I'm not a Dr. Seuss character. Haley. <laughs> Haley Whaley. Haley Whaley. <laughs> Shout from, out to from Illinois. Who, from Whoville. Yeah. Um, um, and it's a good question. I'm going to put this phone on airplane mode because I could hear it through the mic. Um, it's a good question that I think about a lot because sometimes I could be I could be guilty of not having very many hobbies. What about you? Oh, you got a too, lot, too many. You got too many yeah, hobbies. My wife's like, no more. <laughs> so the question specifically is, what is your favorite hobby with your spouse? Because. I have a I have a lot of hobbies separate from Amber. Sure, she has hobbies separate from me. For instance, I love snow skiing. Mm -hmm. I always have. I'll I'll take a mountain any chance I can get and bring some skis. They could be old or new. I don't care. Amber does not like snow skiing. She skis occasionally just because she loves me, but she does not enjoy it one minute. She is terrified about it. Mm -hmm. So that's an example of a hobby I love but we don't do no, it together. Yeah, my mine without Leslie would be like downhill mountain biking or mountain biking of any time. It's intense. I mean, you are just like holding on and it, she doesn't really do that. She's like, nope, no thanks. I was going to say, Leslie does that? Okay, yeah, good, no, good. This, this is like you were saying with snow skiing, but one that we would do together consistently it's funny because I think it's changed. It, or I don't know sure, about you and yeah. Amber. Like it yeah. kind of changes over the years. Um, when Leslie and I first got married, she was horrible at tennis, and I grew up playing tennis and played and you know competitively. And so I've played a lot of tennis in my life. Um, I learned really quickly. Hey, this may not be something we do together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because she would get frustrated every time we went and played. But recently, she's like been into some lessons and like really liking it. So I think that's something if we're going to do like a active kind of date night, hobby date night thing, it's like, yeah, let's just get a babysitter and go play some tennis. Yeah, that's awesome. Amber, it's kind of the opposite for us. Amber's really good at tennis and she did it in high school and I didn't. Maybe I should learn. Maybe I should get lessons from you and, and learn. <laughs> so what about like racquetball? Does that ever come into play? No, no. Some folks have started asking us to play pickleball. Have you played that? Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's actually yeah. really fun. Yeah, it is fun. Um, but no, racquetball, I've uh, never, I don't know the rules. I, I just never did it. It's, I think unanimously what I could say is if you said, what do you and Amber want to do? Like if you could do anything, what do you want to do? I, it might sound stupid, but go out to eat one-on-one, <laughs> -on -one, no kids. Yeah. Maybe go catch a movie. That would be that would be something we'd both be on board right now. Yeah, is no kids a hobby? Because I think I, so. I think we would do anything. No kid, just the two of us, like you're saying. Yeah, both of us, both me and you have busy schedules. You you have multiple jobs. 
Um, you and and Leslie works some of those with you or all mm-hmm. of them with you at some mm-hmm. capacity. Plus, we have kids. Plus, the kids' activities, and it doesn't leave very much room for what's you and your wife's hobby mm-hmm. separate. So um, maybe we'll just figure that out more. But right now, um, we we enjoy a lot of things. We tour. She loves to go on tour with me. But if you're going to say right now, it would be time away from kids. That's my favorite hobby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good it's question. a season of life, you know? It's a season of life. Okay, we're, we're out into the weeds now. This is now. I have no idea what's about to come up. I could. You want me to read a couple or you want me to just hit the... Let me hit the top one. Okay. And then I'll read a couple of these titles to you. Okay. This one is called Relationship Advice. Hey, Granger, my ex-boyfriend and I had an amazing relationship. It lasted about seven years, 16 to 23 years old. Throughout the years, we had our ups and downs, but it was a relationship that I personally found, quote, perfect. Our love was mutual, but a few months ago, he broke up with me and said that he wanted to focus on himself, even though we both pushed each other throughout the relationship. He no longer wants to fight for the relationship, and I feel like it's unreal. The saddest part is we had plans of finally getting married after I finished school, and I only had one year left. I feel completely devastated and heartbroken. I don't know how to take this situation because it's something I never expected to happen because the day before he broke up with me, he made me feel like the luckiest girl on earth. Um, I, don't ha- I don't have a name and I don't have a place. So this is anonymous. Do you have a specific question in there? Yeah, let me, let me see. Um, there's no question marks. So there's, I think this is just a, a confusion on a breakup. Yeah, and the first thing I could say to anonymous here is that you this story is not uncommon. This is a human story. This has been going on since the beginning of time. Um, you 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 think one side thinks it's going great, and they're led on by the other side that it is great, and then the other side cuts it off cold turkey. You're left confused, devastated heartbroken and you don't know what to do. I don't know what she means by the day before he broke up with me. He made me feel like the luckiest girl. I don't know exactly what that means, but she is 23 years old, apparently, which is great. The the reason I say that it's because you're not 48, right? It's not good. Right. This is great. You're 23 and you have so much ahead of you. So the first thing I want to do is just validate your heartbrokenness. That sounds that sounds terrible. You know, you were you were led on. Um, I'm not going to say that his love wasn't real, but love is a decision. It's not it's not some cosmic alignment in the stars. It's a decision, and he decided not to love you anymore. Yeah, that's I, that doesn't make you feel better. Yeah, yeah. I, I would I would echo that um just empathy that man that that's tough. You put yourself out there. We all kind of know what it's like in some capacity to put yourself out there and kind of be put your trust out there and it be broken, you know, your heart be broken in some way. Um you know, if we started to kind of classify these podcast questions into these little, you know, barrels like we talked about like hey, is this how would this be answered? 
Um, I think communication could be a big one to help resolve some of this. Um, if the ex would be willing to just um, kind of have some follow-up conversations like, hey, I'm really trying to understand here. Um, what, where, When did the disconnect happen? Because I guarantee you it didn't happen just one day. Yeah. If he made you feel like the most special girl in the world the day before – there, there was something something going on, and he was kind of putting on that front. And so get back to, like, wh- wh- where did we go? Because if there's no reconciliation possible, at least you'll be able to learn from it. At least you'll be able to learn, like, okay, either the person that I look for next, you know, I, I need to be aware of these things. I need to have these boundaries I need to treat them this way. Like, what what can you learn about yourself from that situation? What can you learn about your future, you know, companion yeah. or mate moving forward? That's so right. You're you're going to be better for this anonymous, no matter what. You're going to be better from this pain, and this could lead. This is any kind of suffering, and people people always want to be so quick to say, if there's a God, why does He allow suffering? And that question comes in so many forms and is a result of so many things in life. And then my question back to you is, how could you not think that suffering would make you better? And they would say, well, no, suffering's bad. Suffering is always bad, and it always makes me worse. And I say, not according to anything humans have ever done in the history of humans. We make sports, for instance. We make football. What makes football exciting and fun and addictive? The adversity, the suffering. No one, no one starts a season and goes, "Well, we're, we won the Super Bowl. Why'd you win the Super Bowl? Well, they, we just won all the games. We just, we didn't play them, but we just got a W and for all the games until we got the Super Bowl trophy. Boring. The, the, yeah. the, the, the good. Think of any good Super Bowl or World Series, which is going on right now. The World Series is always better when it's it's the seventh game. It's mm-hmm. been a battle. There's injuries on both sides. Both teams have overcome adversity all year. They've they've climbed these hurdles and they've made it past them. And here they are. And it's not only the seventh game, but it's the ninth inning. It's tied. It's the batter's up and he's got two strikes on him. The bases are loaded. It's that's always the better scenario is when there's suffering or adversity involved. And then when you yeah. win that World Series, it's much sweeter than mm-hmm. if you just swept them four to nothing. Right. Four games to nothing. No, you're absolutely right. And the even deeper level of that is those guys that are on the field playing those professional athletes, how did they get as strong as they are? Yeah. They Their muscles were torn in order for them to get stronger. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like that, that, that stuff has to happen for growth. And if you view it that way and you keep your mindset on that anonymous – um, I think you're going to be better for it moving forward. Um, I think you could get some clarity from the dude if he'd be willing to, but if not, um, just focus forward, you know? Yeah. Have you ever cried in a movie or watching a movie? Have you ever cried at the end? Well, if the answer is yes, anonymous, the reason you cried is because you saw the character go through pain and turmoil and win in the end. They overcame it and they won. You, every movie, every single movie that's good always has a bad guy or a bad situation, always. Mm-hmm. And then when they defeat it or overcome it or climb that mountain, they, you cry because you love, you love this story and you know what it takes. Suffering helps you. Suffering is good for you. 
it's hard to think that when you're in it. You're in the, you're in the valley right now. You've, you're laying there bleeding out. You're, you're on the beach of Normandy and you're bleeding out right now. And it's, you think, how could this be good? But it always is good. Lean into it. You're going to be better. You're going to learn more. You're going to be better because of this person. Yeah. And, and one last thing to book in that, like, try, I mean, j- this is just advice, you know, uh, take it or leave it. Don't date the next person for seven years. Like, yeah. go into it with intention that, hey, I am dating someone to try my best and discern if they are the one for me for the rest of my life. And the minute that you get there, communicate that to them. Put yourself out there. Continue to trust. Don't let this be something that scars you from trusting people in the future. Um, find that person, and I bet if they are, they're going to trust you back. And and don't just kind of let it linger without that um, that commitment for seven years. That's a long time. So so good. One more thing to the one more thing. Don't <laughs> don't go back to this guy and and he's. You guys will probably have another fling. Don't resist yeah. that. Resist that fling, um, and don't don't go back. Don't start texting him two weeks from now and just say, "I still don't understand." Can you just tell me what happened? Can you just please explain? Just don't. Yeah, don't Bl- block him in your phone if you have to, but it's not good. Um, he made a decision to leave you, so let it go. It's nothing, nothing is good by trying to get one more explanation out of him or trying to figure out, or when he calls and says, could we go on, could we, could I take you to dinner? You need to think hard about that Mm -hmm. because this dude left you Yep. when you're most vulnerable. Yep. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's do another question here. Um, this is, here's, I saw this came, came in on Wednesday and it's, very, very short, and there's not a question, but I thought it was interesting, so I pulled it in here. It says, hey, Granger, my name is Ida. I'm from Arizona. I love your family and your faith and your music and everything it stands for. That's the end of the email, but the subject line says, concerned about my future. What do you think What do you think, you think they, about? You think they hit send too early? <laughs> and, and then they're like, dang it, I can't email again. Well, well concerned about my future... And then it's just, I think, that, and the reason I think it might be interesting to talk about it is because I think there's a lot of people concerned about their future in the world right now, and they don't even know why. Yeah. They, they can't even explain why or how they feel like this. Mm-hmm. And that email almost says that. It almost says, I don't have anything else to write specifically. I'm just worried because... Let's fill in the blanks because the media makes me nervous because in- Instagram makes me nervous. I see things on Facebook every day and I'm concerned. Um, my maybe you have kids, maybe you don't, but may, but everyone's talking about how public schools are going down the gutter. Well, you, maybe you have a, a parent that that's sick right now and you're concerned. But th- but this is the world we live in. Concerned about the future. Worries, all kinds of worries, all yeah. all over, man. I wanna, and it's not new. I mean, right? This no, is, this no, is, no, uh, no. Um, man, there is... I saw John Maxwell speak a couple weeks ago. And he was at a conference. And 
I was I was blown away by by him speaking courage into people and speaking fear away from people, especially Christians. He he brought up the fact that why do we see Christians nowadays as one of the most worried groups of people on the planet? Why are they not any more confident in their life than any other person? It's strange. We're not supposed to be fearful. We're not supposed to be, to dwell and worry. I know that we could worry and fear, but we're not supposed to dwell on it and be lost in it and voice it on Facebook like like we're in, we're in such trouble and we don't know what to do. Aren't we supposed to be the ones that are confident about this? Well, I agreed, but let me ask you this. What if you were in the army and you were about to go into battle? You were in battle. You're I mean, okay. you're about to jump out the helicopter, but you don't have any weapons. You have not been trained properly. You haven't been given a map that shows you where you're supposed to be. Okay. Are you a little worried? Is that where we are now? If we're speaking generally about Christians in the West, I think that's where we are. Don't we have a map, though? Oh, we do. <laughs> but... I think I, hear that, you. I I think that there's a lot that have not been trained. They haven't taken up the weapons. But for some reason they feel like I should still get on this helicopter and go. It's like, well, hey guys, I don't think you understand the battle that you're getting into here. Yeah. You're gonna get destroyed and you're gonna worry and you're gonna basically take a bunch of people down with you. Yeah. Like I don't know. Just a thought, man. Let me read something John Maxwell said. And I just, I was blown away by this. And if anyone sees me on my phone or Bernie on his phone, I'm not scrolling Twitter right now. It's (laughs) relevant. I'm either looking at the question or thinking about something relevant here. But this is C.S. Lewis. And he he wrote an article called, How Are We to Live in an Atomic Age? And what John Maxwell said at the conference was, every time you hear atomic age or atomic bomb, I want you to replace it with virus or COVID. And then whoever wrote this email, whatever's going on in your life, if that's not what you're talking about, you could replace it with whatever you're going through. And so think about it this way. Remember to replace atomic with COVID or virus or whatever you're going through. How are we to live in an atomic age? I am tempted to reply, why, as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night, or indeed, as you are already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir of madam, you and all you who you love already are already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented or before COVID was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors, but we have everything still that we need. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering 
and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. He, he goes on to say, and I could read this, but he goes on to say, so what are we to do? If we're all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let the bomb come find us doing sensible and human things like praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, literally says that, <laughs> chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies. A microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds. 1948. Oh, that's so good. So to to piggyback on what he's saying, um, Philippian... So th- what was this girl's name? Do we have her name? Mm-mm. No, nothing. Okay, so if you wrote that, or even if you didn't, go read Philippians 4, 4 through 9. So it starts with rejoice, and again, I say rejoice, but then it goes into, I mean, and this is written by Paul, who's being, he's imprisoned, and this dude is in, I promise you, a worse situation than you're in. I yeah. can't say that for sure, for sure, but oh, yeah. the odds are he was in a, a, a much worse position. If you are in a worse position, then that means you've been, you've received the 40 lashings countless times, you've been beaten, stoned, broken, imprisoned countless times, starved, almost drowned, shipwrecked. Yeah. So if that's happened to you, sorry about that. <laughs> you probably don't have a way to send an email to Granger. But um, but the point is, is that even in that, um, he he's speaking to these people saying, hey, don't, don't be anxious. Like in, yeah. instead, pray with thanksgiving, right? And this peace will, that surpasses understanding will cover your heart and your mind. And then he goes on to say, finally, these things, think on these things, what's true, what's pure, what's lovely, uh, what has excellence. He, he lists all these things. Think about these things. So what C.S. Lewis was saying, hey, they can take all this stuff, but they can't take our minds. Like, think, mm-hmm. we think on these things. And then we practice, the last part of that is he says, what you've seen and heard from me, practice this, and the God of peace will be with you. Um, I think that that between that and, and Philippians, that's, I think that's maybe the answer to this question. Yeah, and C.S. Lewis got his inspiration from Philippians. Yeah. You know, so the, the, Paul was first. Um, I love how he says, in other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. How, how crazy often do we do that? Yeah. Oh, this has never been this bad. This never, <laughs> we've never been this divided. <laughs> we've never been this sick. Yeah. We've never had leadership this bad. We never had an election this good or this bad. Why do you Come think on, we, why do you man. think we do, why do you think we do that? We we love to exaggerate the novelty of our situation, and not yeah. just now, but like every every situation. We want to exaggerate the novelty of yeah. it to make it. Is it about us? Like we make it seem so, like bigger yeah. deal than it is. It's it's our arrogance as humans that we've always thought that. And C.S. Lewis goes on to say, "Believe me, sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented." Yeah. 
So I, I think you don't have to be a Christian to believe that. Yeah, we have a humans have a hundred percent death rate. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Let's take a break. Yeah. Come right back. All right. Podcast is brought to you in part today by ShipStation. You know the holidays are the most wonderful time of the year, but if you're running an online store, you know they could also be the craziest time of the year. You got inventory to manage, orders to fill, a growing list of stressed out customers, checking in twice today, wondering whether those last minute gifts are going to arrive in time. Well, with ShipStation, the hassle of shipping out holiday orders just melts away, leaving you with happier customers and more freedom to run your business or enjoy some much needed off time. We've used ShipStation for a long time at Yigi Apparel back when we were just a brand new company. We didn't know much. All we wanted to do was get our product out and we didn't want to have to get a degree in learning how to discern which which shipping carriers we're going to use and how to get them out and how to pay for it. So ShipStation worked out perfectly for, for us then, and it still does today as we've grown. So if you sell anything online, I don't need to tell you that it could just could be super frustrating to deal with all this stuff. There's so many car- carriers and tons of factors that go into figuring out the best rate and so on and so on. But still, more people are shopping online every year, and the added holiday stress doesn't help. ShipStation makes shipping an easy part of running your online store. So you can get back to doing what you are passionate about, growing your business. It's super easy to import orders from every sales channel, whether that's Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or your own website, and automate just about any shipping task all on one easy-to-use dashboard. Change your shipping solution could be daunting. I understand that. But with the holidays here, now is the time to start thinking about making that change. ShipStation works with all major carriers, international and local, including FedEx, UPS, and USPS. And you get access to all the discounted rates that are usually reserved for big Fortune 500 companies. So this is this is really great. Not only is shipping easy, you could actually save money too. So it's no wonder why 98% of companies that use ShipStation for a year keep on using it as long as they run their business. It's that good. Here's the deal. This holiday season, make this holiday season a little brighter with ShipStation. Use my offer code GRANGER to get a 60-day free trial. Just enough time to handle the holiday rush. Just go to ship station.com click on the microphone at the top and enter the code granger ship station make ship happen podcast is also brought to you about ritual we deserve to know what we're putting in our bodies and why especially when it comes to something we take every day rituals clean vegan friendly multivitamin is formulated with high quality nutrients and biodegradable, excuse me, bioavailable, and probably bio, biodegradable should be too, bioavailable forms that your body could actually use. But what you won't find is sugars, GMOs, major allergens, synthetic fillers, and artificial colorants. Plus, the fresh taste and delayed release capsule design makes taking your vitamins easy. I am not a vitamin guy. I never have been because it just, they, they mess up my stomach. If I take those big old horse pills, sometimes it just messes up my stomach all until I started trying Ritual. They started sending it to me for to, to talk about on this podcast. And there's something about just the purity of what they put in this. It just is so easy on my stomach, so easy on my digestive system that I don't even know 
that I, I can't even feel any different uh, when I take it, but I start feeling differently during the day when I feel I feel the results of what these vitamins are giving me. So, so Ritual, uh, it, it contains key nutrients and forms that your body could actually use to help fill the gaps in your diet. And you could tell, no shady extras. Uh, Ritual's delayed release capsule design offers high quality nutrients, including vitamin D3 and just two daily, daily pills. You always know exactly what you're getting because they have a ritual, one-of-a-kind, visible supply chain, so you know exactly what you're putting in your body. It's available for men, women, teens. Ritual multivitamins are scientifically developed to help support all different life stages. So get key nutrients without the BS. Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash Granger to start your ritual today. And lastly, podcast brought to you by StoryWorth. This holiday season, I want to give a gift to my loved ones that makes them feel special and unique, just like the relationship that we share. That's why I'm giving everyone I care about StoryWorth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones preserve precious memories and stories for years to come. It is thoughtful and a meaningful gift that connects you and those who matter the most. Every week, StoryWorth emails your relative or family a thought-provoking question of your choice from the vast pool of possible options. Each unique prompt asks questions you never thought to ask, like, What's the bravest thing you've ever done in your life? Or if you could see into the future, what would you want to find out? I mean, this is really cool stuff. After one year, StoryWorth will compile all of your loved ones' stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. When I think about like London or Amber, people that are just kind of hard to buy for, this is just a great idea that's very personal. You put a... you you're going to give them something that they feel like you really have put a lot of thought into and you and you do but it's something they can keep forever reading the stories or reading the weekly stories helps connect you with loved ones no matter how near or how far apart you are with storyworth i'm giving those i love most uh, the most thoughtful personal gift from the heart and preserving their memories and stories for years to come go to storyworth dot com slash Granger and save ten dollars off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash Granger to get ten dollars off your first purchase. So cool. All right, back on the podcast, back on the questions. If you have any email, GrangerSmithPodcast at gmail.com. Got Bernie Calcote is my guest today, long time guest of the podcast. Thank you guys for making this podcast always very high on the chart on all music podcasts. Yeah, make sure you guys crazy. go review it and um, give it the rating and stuff. Yeah. That helps Grange get it up in the charts and helps just world domination takeover for the podcast <laughs> happen. So let's go. All right. Marriage after baby. Okay. okay. We both know. We both know that. Okay. My husband and I have had an almost one-year-old little boy. He's the greatest baby, but I feel like our marriage is struggling since his birth. A lot of times I feel like I'm carrying the workload with our son in the house on top of having a full-time job. My husband has a very demanding job also, and when he's home, he mostly wants to sit on the couch and watch TV. 
While I understand the need to decompress, I feel like we know we don't spend any quality time together talking or doing things together. And when I try to explain how I'm feeling, it comes off as nagging, nagging. How do I get back to us after becoming parents? Thanks for your podcast and being a sounding board for so many people. I appreciate you and your guest ability to look through a lens of faith and share solid advice. Lindsay. Thanks for sharing, Lindsay. Uh, this is not an uncommon nope. situation. There's people that, that didn't write this that are thinking, oh, Lindsay just wrote my story. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Lindsay. Thank you for bringing up something that's um, very, very common. And this is, um, let's, let's, uh, let's decipher, let's kind of get in and, and knock this around a little bit. Um, uh, where do you, I don't know where to start. Where do you want to start? Um, I feel like the question could be pretty simple to answer. I, mm-hmm. I feel like it's okay. a communication thing. I feel like, we may have, I feel like we may have hit this before. Like you, you, you're coming from a genuine perspective. You don't want to be the nagging wife, but you're, you're sensing this like overload, which is valid. It is a lot. Kids are exhausting and, and life and all the stuff. So we feel you on that. But, um, I think, you know, just having some really open, honest communication with your husband about him asking, does he feel pressure from you to provide a certain level of life where his work has to be that demanding? Um, yeah, I, I think it's these responsibilities that we do stack up on top of each other. Um, it's just our culture to be busy mm-hmm. and to like stack up as much as we can. And then in the very slim margins, we leave the most important things, our relationships with our spouses and our kids. But I would suggest like own that for yourself and just be humble with your husband. Like, hey, I don't feel like I'm doing a good job. I feel like I don't have margin to really give you the best side of me. I feel like you're getting the worst of me and I don't want that. I want to give you the best of me. Are there things in our lives that we need to change and maybe go without so that we can just be happier together and serve each other more. And I don't know. Right. So let me, let me talk about go without, because one of the thoughts I had was, could you go without something in your life financially in order to open up either some time for you? So maybe you, you either you cut back your hours or he cuts back his hours. You'll have less money, but you'll have that more quality time or, do you go without in order to free up some money to hire some help at the house? Maybe someone that can come in and do some of the demanding housework, um, help you with some of these things that are that are hurting you. But either way, you're going to have to go go without an income of some level, which is a great sacrifice. So sometimes we have to look at our lives and go, "What do I need? What do I need to survive? And what what am I just?" What kind of money am I just spending on meaningless things? And if I cut out that meaningless spending and I freed up this amount of money, money equals time and time equals quality time uh, with your family. So there's that. There's that. That's just a practical idea. Um, and then another idea is, are, are you making your baby more important than your husband? Just a question. Because sometimes we could... we sometimes in life we we make our priorities where the baby is on top of the spouse 
and or the kids in general. And it's just we're not made we're not set up that way. We're set up to to, you know, God first, spouse above the family. And your husband needs to look at you that way and you need to look at your husband that way. Where they are first, kids second. It's like the airplane when you when the oxygen masks fall out, you put yours on first, kids second. Because you have to function first in order to take care of the kids. If you're dysfunctional, you're not going to properly parent the kids anyway. So take care of your spouse first. Are you doing that? Question. My voice is getting loud, but I'm not mad. <laughs> Lindsay, I'm not Preach. mad. I'm just, I'm just, I'm offering these suggestions. Are you putting your baby above your husband? Is your husband putting the baby above you? And then lastly, not lastly, but next... How are you approaching your husband when he's on the couch? Me and you have been, we've done this on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. Are you coming in and saying, babe, seriously, you're seriously going to watch TV right now? When you see how much work I'm doing and I'm, yeah, I got so much to do and I have a full-time job and you, you seriously going to, is that what you're doing? Because that's going to get nowhere. Mm-hmm. It's going to get nowhere. What? Why are you laughing? Because Leslie's literally done that to me before <laughs> when I'm watching TV. But she'll just peek her head in and say, seriously? And I know everything that she's thinking from that seriously. Um, but Amber, Amber does the same thing. Yeah. I'm not saying it's wrong of Lindsay to do it. Right. Just asking it's just her, not, is- it's not the most uh, productive way to like have the conversation. I get the frustration with her too, but we're both in that place. And that's why, Hey, Lindsay, we feel you like on both sides of this. It's like, man, I'm just so tired. I really, I've given everything today and you've given everything, but yet the dishes still got to get done and the kids got to get a bath. And so somebody has got to, you know, so <laughs> let me just say, uh, that's why I was laughing. let me give you a little ray of hope, Lindsay. You have an almost one year old. That's just, you're in the trenches right now. Yeah. Cause oh, I'm there too. I understand the baby thing. You're in the trenches. It definitely gets better. As long as you don't fill your kids up with a million sports, they got to be playing every single night of the week. <laughs> I don't rec- recommend doing that either. I don't either. We do that currently and it's the worst. Don't do it. I hear so many horror stories, but it gets so much better because as they get more independent, like my kids now, I, and I tell Amber this, we do not do dishes in this house, Amber and I. That is the kids. And, Love that. and I put them to work and, and I don't care if they complain about it when I first ask them then that's five minutes earlier they got to go to bed, and then I'll add another five minutes. So it's a, it's a deal where it's like, this is what you're going to do. You're not even going to complain. You're going to do all the dishes. And so there's certain things around the house, laundry, cleaning up, tidying up, um, feeding your animals, um, doing the dishes. These are things that you could put 100% on the kids when they get to a certain level. So it gets better. This isn't like you're going to be dealing with this the rest of your life. Yeah. That's, and especially the first kid, like, cause you, yeah. you, you really are just like, this is new. I'm all yeah. in it. And, uh, so it, it does add another layer of that. So, uh, before we move to the next question, I want to talk to the husband and I know we don't know this husband and he put may, him on the phone. He Lindsay. May, yeah. He may not be listening, but, the husband in this story is represented by a bunch of guys out there, including us at including points. Me. Um, so I, like she said, she's even understanding that need for decompression. Um, put your wife first, like, 
be a man and draw from the inner strength that you have and say, no, I'm, I'm going to push a little bit harder and give her what she needs. Okay. So, so then I'm going to speak to, that's generally husband. So now a Bible believing Christian husband, I'm going to speak to you about what the Bible actually calls, how he calls us to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her in all things. Yeah. I fail at this every single day, and it's like, I know that this is what I'm called to, and I need to meditate on that verse all the time when on my drive home, whenever I'm going in, it's like, no, I know that you wanted to do this, or you want to do this, you're giving that up. Because you are, you're going to serve her. You're going to go in and you're going to think, hey, what can I do? I need to, I need to be thinking about that at, on my lunch break. Hey, what can I do for her? What message can I send for her? What, what can I move out of my schedule to free up even more margin that I can serve her? I, I think if you do that, the balance of parenthood starts to become a little bit more... Um, easy to handle and navigate. Hey, yeah. listeners, whatever you've been taught by man about what marriage is in the Bible, and whatever preconceived ideas you have that the Bible says about marriage, what Bernie says is biblical manhood. That's what it says. Yep. That's what it says. Bernie's read every word in that book, and there is nothing extra. That's what it says. And that's how biblical manhood is. You might have been taught that the Christians have some weird hierarchy it's not what it is. As, as far as, as loving your wife, you sacrifice everything. You love her as Christ loved the church. Last thing, husband. Her love language is quality time. <laughs> she just told us. Yeah. That's like a secret. You just figured it out on, if you didn't yeah. know it. Sometimes you don't always know it, but she just yeah. told us on this podcast. Yeah. So. Last thing, go. last thing. If you don't know your wife's love language, figure it out. Yeah. Game changer. Quality time's a great one for the husband to know that she has because you don't have to waste time on all these crazy gifts. Yeah. And <laughs> that's that's pretty good. Acts of service. Yeah. yeah. Physical touch. You don't have to worry about any of that. Just quality time. Yeah. Let's let's hit another one here. Um how about how about this? My best friend of twenty years has rejected God. Interesting. Hey Granger and podcast guest. I'll try to keep this as short as possible. One of my best friends about four years ago told me she no longer believes in God, doesn't want my prayers, doesn't want me to do anything about it. She totally caught me off guard at the moment. And I honestly, in the last four years, haven't said anything to her about it, but I've prayed almost daily for her since then. We grew up in church together and that's where we met. And about six years ago, our pastor at the time and some of the church family absolutely burned her and her family and basically shunned them and a few others, long story. But I haven't, uh, I haven't been back to that church since then, and I found another church uh, that me and my husband love. How in the world do I go about beginning a conversation about this now that I've waited so long? I love her so much. My heart is broken over this. She's into the occult and very new age practices, as a side note. We basically just don't talk about religion or politics. And when we talk, I've never spoke up about how I feel, and I just really don't know how to start. There are many other levels to this, but this is the basics. Uh, I would love to know your thoughts about this. Thank you for all your family does. You guys have, have changed my life and my faith journey. Keep doing what you're doing. And please do a show closer to Alabama with love in Christ, Corey. 
Thank you, Corey. I had another great question that yeah. that probably a lot of people could echo. I I could yeah. echo that. Okay, I could echo that for Hit sure. Yeah. No, I mean I could I could echo really? her question. I yeah, could relate. Yeah. I could yeah. relate. And and I've talked to Bernie about this many times off podcast, where where you said um, we basically just don't talk about religion or politics, and I I've never spoke up about it. Uh, or how I feel, I just don't know how to start. Man, I, I I feel that because there's people in my life, and I've told Bernie this, I'll let a situation pass when I could have spoke up and I didn't, and then I feel like a coward. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, you had a chance right then mm-hmm. to speak truth into him, and you didn't. And and then I have to just recollect myself and and try to do it again. But here's here's the one thing that we could both say, Corey, right off the bat is that no matter what you say or what you do, you don't have that kind of power to bring her back to God. Only God can. And sometimes as humans, we feel like it's up to us. It's on our shoulders. Or even worse, it's on their shoulders. Like it's their decision. And if they don't make it, then they'll never know God. And that's up to them. God has a different idea about this stuff. Mm -hmm. We're here to plant seeds and we're here to walk away after we plant the seeds. I heard a pastor tell me one time, we're not in the results-driven business. And almost everything else in life is result-driven, but not witnessing to, to lost. So all we could do, is, and what you're doing right now is, is you're going to church and you're living, you're living this out, which is great. That's an important component. And the next step is telling her the gospel. Because the gospel, according to Romans, is the power of God for salvation. The gospel is the power of God for salvation, and they have to hear it. And by hearing it, they'll believe it. Or they won't, but they have to hear it. And, and that's not... That's, you have the power to tell them, but you don't have the power for them to believe it. Mm-hmm. What do you got, Burns? Yeah, I, I understand... And Grizz and I talked, like he said, that the delicate situation that this these things can present. Um, whenever you have these long time relationships that have many many layers of experiences and things they've been through, and the only thing that I can suggest and that we've talked about before is just try to be as present with your friend as possible. Try to be as genuine with your friend as possible. If they're really your friend and they love you, then if you're talking about something and you just feel this, you know, in your life, in the, in the propositional truth and experiential truth connection, the answer to that question that y'all are talking about is the gospel, or it's some aspect of the gospel, have confidence in the friendship to be able to speak openly and say, like, yeah, well, you know, Jesus taught me about this, blah, 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 you know, and, and reference, and one, know what you're talking about. Study what you're, study your faith so that you know, and you can, uh, you know, like Granger said, you can give testimony whenever the opportunity comes. Know what you're talking about. Study it. But... um also, just in the quiet, in the stillness, teach yourself to to listen to that 
that soft voice of the Holy Spirit that says, hey, now speak that. And the one that says, hey, just hold tight. Mm. I, I think That's that so we, we don't spend enough time in the stillness trying to discern that voice. And we we are very much results-driven. And it's like, we just have to, we have to say it because it's like fishing, right? The more times you cast, you know, the right. odds are right. we're going to catch more, right? Right. No, it's like, you got to listen to the guide that takes you to spot the honey hole. He's like, no, we're going to catch fish here. So that's where, this is the time and the place that I want you to cast that. Listen more, speak less. Yeah. That's what Burns is saying. Why, why would you do that? Well, first of all, you're giving space for the Holy Spirit to do work. If you don't, if you don't have space, if you're not o- opening up that opportunity, then you're going to fail every time with your own words. So open up that space, rewind, listen to what Burns just said. And next time you're in that situation, you're one-on-one. Instead of just diving into, hey, we need to talk about this God thing. It's been bothering me for four years ever since you told me you didn't believe in God, and it's really bothering me, and I pray every <laughs> single day, and I don't know what to do. Like then, then you're more worried and anxious than they are, and they're like, whoa, I don't need whatever you got. Yeah, I don't want any of that. If I've been, if this has been bothering you so much for four years that you've lost sleep over it, I don't want any of that. I, don't, I like my sleep. Yeah. So yeah, you have to you have to live it. You're you're absolutely right. You have to live. The Holy Spirit has to indwell in you and live in a way that reflects the joy that God can bring. Your friend already knows. They're going to know. They're going to see the fruits of the Spirit and be like, wow, where? I don't even have to ask where that comes from because I know, yeah. what was her name? Cor- I know Corey and that this is what she believes. And man, I'm, I want that. I want to believe that. And maybe that leads them to desperately coming before God themselves and saying, I I want what they have. Can yeah. you... Hey, Corey, how do you always seem so confident in these kind of situations? Why are you not worried about your kids right now? Why are you, what, what is the source of your hope? That's what, that's the question you need. Mm-hmm. That's the question that's going to open it all up. Hey, Corey, will you just, what is the source of your hope? Because you just seem so collected in this chaotic time. And so guess, Corey, guess what hurts you? Back to the first question. Going to Facebook and going, we're just, uh, we're doomed. Our society, it's all going to hell and our politicians don't know how to run and everyone's against us and we're going to lose every, churches are closing and we're never going to, God's going away from the schools and we're never going to, like that is going to hurt you. Because mm-hmm. I don't want any part of that either. Me, whatever the religion that is on Facebook, I don't want that either. And I'm a believer. So let's just get that out there. That's not yeah. Christianity. Yeah. So set up the situation where she, where she, it is a she, right? Where she has to ask you, can you just tell me what's going on with you? Because I just, I'm inspired by your life. Yeah. And yeah. speak, you can still speak Jesus. You still yeah. need to speak the gospel, but there's a, there's a non-preachy way to do it. Yeah. Absolutely. And don't go into the situation trying to like manifest that conversation because then you're going to be disappointed when she doesn't ask. Your expectation yep. can't be, well, God, I've done this, I've lived this way and she hasn't asked me. Hey, he's not asking you to, he's asking you to be obedient and to live a life guided by the word and the Holy Spirit. Like, just do that. 
the other stuff, man, it'll just come. Mm. All the conversations, the questions will come if you truly do that and you study that book long enough to know exactly what that means. And it, as it says in Acts, all and all who were appointed to eternal life believed. Mm-hmm. Didn't say everyone. She might not be one of them. We hope and we pray that she is, but but that's not up to us. And it doesn't stop us from praying about it and and trying to activate that, but that's just that's the way it is. So it's a good question, Corey. Um, keep us in touch, and and hopefully we'll be closer to Alabama. Um, let's do. We got time for one more Burns. Let's do it. Let's see. Outdoors question. Kind of feel relieved just seeing that. Hey, Granger, my name is Aaron from Kansas. I'm a huge outdoorsman. I love deer hunting and fishing. And if you're ever looking to do some hunting and fishing in Kansas, come on out. But I'm wanting to start recording myself and getting footage. Can you recommend a good camera or recording device to start with? It might not break the bank. Love everything you do. Thanks for being so connected with your fans. And I would also love if I could just get a shout out. Shout out, Aaron. What's up, brother? Aaron from Kansas. Aaron from Kansas. Um, man, there's one answer to you, GoPro. GoPro. Um, for outdoor outdoor daytime footage, nighttime or dusk or early morning, it's tough and low light, but you're going to want to go GoPro. You got a GoPro go, Burns? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't. I mean, you use it for a mountain biking. Yeah. Right? There's no better camera for mountain biking. Yeah. The stability on it, the color. The quality. You, yeah. Gosh. Those things are awesome. Though. Yeah. Aaron, GoPro. With that one, I think we could do one more. <laughs> we right. do one more. <laughs> okay, this is a relatively short one. Dear Granger, I've been a fan of you for years, and you've helped me through a lot. Your positivity, positivity helps me wake up. Your videos make me laugh, and your music from Granger Smith and Earl Dibbles Jr. makes me smile. Thank you. My question is, how do you keep so positive through tough times? I call Bernie. <laughs> I call Bernie during tough times. He helps me stay positive. Um, gratitude. He's asking about gratitude. Mm-hmm. How to cultivate gratitude is basically your question, James. And um, it is, it's work. You have to put in work. It's not, it, I don't think gratitude is naturally grown in you. you. You cultivate it and you harvest it like a seed. You're from, you're, where are you from? He doesn't say where he's from. I was going to think if he's from the Midwest, we'd talk about farming. But you have to cultivate it. One way, I know Bernie and I have talked about this, is a gratitude journal. It helps tremendously. And sometimes when time, when things are really rough in your life, sometimes you have to aim super low to find gratitude. And that's okay. Because you could find it in all situations, even if you're aiming low. Uh, for instance... You could be you you could be going through um, you you got kicked out of your house you didn't get to pay your electric bill and you get you kicked out of your house and you could think man this is this is terrible and then you go out and you you start your truck and you drive to find a new place and you right then you can go well, thank God for this truck it's always been here with me this is a good truck and and I'm using that as an example of being able to aim low and take something that. You might not think every day, but you have a car that drives and it starts there. You have sunshine shining on your shoulders. It's not too cold and it's not too hot. That's something to be grateful for. Maybe it's not raining today. Grateful. Maybe it is raining and it's been, you've been in a drought in California and it rains. Grateful. 
So you could find gratefulness through any situation and it helps to write it down. For me, it's the morning. You're a morning guy too. Um, I keep a, a, a journal and then part of the journal is I'm just going to write down three or four things that I'm grateful for today. Hot cup of coffee. That's something. Mm-hmm. And practicing that, finding finding the little things and being grateful for them really helps cultivate that and ultimately leads to your question of being positive in a tough time. I would say too, and I know you're great at this stuff, surround yourself with positive people, right? Mm-hmm. Negative people will make a negative situation worse. And they're, they're, you're like a chameleon. You just become negative around negative people. So pay attention to who you're, you're surrounding yourself with. Hang around positive people, and you're going to start thinking a lot more positive. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I got, I got some thoughts. But first, what was your, uh, in your gratitude journal this morning, what, what were you grateful for? A uh, hot cup of coffee. Yeah. And the fact that... Um, you get to hang out with Burn today. Yeah, the fact you get to hang out with Burn. <laughs> Lincoln, Lincoln got up early, and he's done this the last two mornings. It frustrates me because I like to get up before everyone mm-hmm. so I could like have my quiet time, read mm-hmm. the Bible. And then Lincoln gets up at like 5.15. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> you have an hour and 30 minutes to sleep. Yeah. Why, why are you up? This is my hobby time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> get out of here. But then, but then he just comes and cuddles up next to me in the chair. And You're I'm like, just like, oh, okay. I'll write him in okay. my gratitude journal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so I think that there, there is a mindset. There, there, there's a mindset thing here. And like Granger said, I think a lot of this is work. Um, there's two ways just like, you know, down to the science of psychology that there's two ways that in, in most situations that arise that our brains go, they either go to curiosity or they go to defense, mm-hmm. right? I'm trying to understand this situation or I am afraid of this situation and therefore I'm going to go defensive. Mm-hmm. I think that so in any situation, in how do you say positive in a tough situation? Well, um, you have to over time create the mental habit of switching to curiosity in any any situation you're in. Hey, um, what what is truly happening here? Not what am I feeling and let my feelings kind of run into anxiety, you know, but what is truly happening here? Why, you know, why did that person say that? Let me, let me ask them. Let me, let me remain curious, suspend my judgment until I have all the details. So the, t- the gap in between is me trying to figure out, hey, That's why, great. Why, why did, why did that, why did that happen? Oh, and, and then, you know, you, you start to realize that once you start to fill in the gaps with the truth and not just you're going to go defensive and then you're going to start filling in those gaps. And typically when you're in defensive mode and you start filling in those gaps, um, they're kind of self-preservation. They're, they're more judgmental and they don't think the best of the other person. They think the worst. So if you're thinking the worst of the other person, um, that just affects your mental state. And, and if you do that continually, continually, yeah, you're going to be in a place where something difficult happens and it is everybody else's fault and you've already filled in the gaps of why it happened, and you've run into the anxiety cesspool. So you're saying more curiosity, less defensive. 
less defensive, less judgment, more curiosity. And I think that that curiosity will lead you, um, I, I because that, that piggybacks on what you're saying. I think that there has to be this, um, you know, confidence is, is rooted in gratitude, man. I, I recognize all the good things in my life. I realize what I deserved and I realize what I got. Okay. At the very yeah. basic level. I, I re- I'm confident in those things. I'm secure in those things. I'm secure enough in those things that I can open my mind to curiosity. Because if you're not secure in that, you have to put up walls of defense. You have to like hmm. be defensive. You There's no room for gratitude. There's no room for curiosity because you're kind of in that mode. So you have to like find that. We believe that that's in the hope of Jesus, that man, this... We know where that we were dead in our trespasses. We know that you know by uh, through faith in grace alone, or uh, sorry, uh, by through, grace, through by faith. grace through faith. Um, that man, we've we've been redeemed, and it's almost like every everything else kind of becomes secondary to that. If if, if we have that to kind of be a baseline, man, it's so good. But I, I think you have to. One, take some time and just become self-aware of like, okay, whenever I'm in a situation, do I go to defense or do I go to curiosity and like trying to assume the best of the person until I know all the stuff? Or am I immediately like, well, dude, they just screwed me over for no reason and they blah, blah. It's like, dude, easy. There's two paths that you're choosing there. So, Man, that is so good, Burns. Um, James, that's it. And... The last thing I could say before we get before we end this podcast is more sleep, less screens, less junk food, and that'll help your process tremendously. Everything Bernie's saying is hard to accomplish if you're you're not getting good sleep, you're looking at your phone all day, and you're not properly fueled. Drink water, throw that in there too. Yeah, you need to put those things on a shirt. Man. <laughs> like, yeah, Granger just summed up every question in this podcast. How do you how do you deal with all of these things? Everything, Start with that. Everything you just said. <laughs> sleep, no screens. Water. Awesome guys, we we love you, love you, Burns. Thank you so much, yeah. dude. Thank you guys for having me on. See you next time. Yee yee. Thanks for joining me on the Granger Smith podcast. I appreciate all of you guys. You could help me out by rating this podcast on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to this channel, hit that little like button and notifications bell so that you never miss any time I upload a video. If you have a question for me that you would like me to answer, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Yee yee.